1: Hey, good morning everybody, Scott Luton and the one and only Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Kevin, how you doing?
2: Hey, I'm good. You know, uh, today's show is gonna be great. We're gonna talk about cybersecurity. I love cybersecurity. Um, And it's gonna be, (laughs) we're really gonna start helping people get ready for 2023. These business leaders where they, they focus on uh, what is your um, resolutions for the new year? What are your five cybersecurity resolutions or priorities uh, as a manufacturer in twenty twenty three?
1: That is right, and of course, cybersecurity one of the biggest topics of our time. Whether you're in global supply chain or, or certainly manufacturing, which is going to be a big focus here here today, or global business, so it should be a great episode. Uh, so. Kevin, we mm-hmm. should add that today's episode is presented by our good friends at Microsoft. We're going to be touching on some really big things that they're doing in, in, in industry, yeah. uh, including the world of manufacturing, a little later on. Absolutely. All right. So, Kevin, are you ready to introduce our guests here today? Yes. Well, I am too. And so with no further ado, I want to welcome in our two featured guests, Karen Braxton, Vice President with Technogen Cybersecurity LLC. Karen, how you doing?
3: I'm um, well, thank you. How are you, Scott and Kevin? Doing wonderful.
1: Yeah. Great to have you. Thanks for and having me. You bet. And you're joined by Bruce Spector, Chairman of the Board with Baltimore Cyber Range LLC. Bruce, how you doing? Very very well. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You bet. Really enjoyed Appreciate like, the sure conversation. Kevin, a,
2: what were you saying? Yeah, I uh, got an opportunity to visit the uh, Baltimore Cyber Ranger a, a, a while ago, and they have actually improved since I did. But they were really impressive. Um, I mean, they were so good that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia asked me to go evaluate them as a benchmark for their national cybersecurity standards.
1: Wow. Bruce, <laughs> that is some high praise, huh? It sure is.
0: And uh, I, I remember that. And um, the uh, it's very, very exciting for us.
1: Well, we're going to learn a lot more about both your organization and Technogen and what Karen's been up to here momentarily. But, hey, Kevin and Karen and Bruce, before we do that, in uh, great tradition we've had here at Supply now uh, and Digital Transformers, mm-hmm. with the award-winning podcast uh, Kevin has been leading, we like to get to know our guests a little better. And we like to start with this very simple question of where you grew up. Right, so, you got to give us the goods on your upbringing. <laughs> and Karen, I want to start with you. So, tell us where, you, where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in Carroll County, Maryland, a little small town called Westminster, most people haven't heard of unless you're local, um, in the country. <laughs> um, and went to um, schools out there, very close to Pennsylvania, actually. You could go out through our uh, front yard across the mailbox and be in PA, a couple of steps through the woods.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. So it's right
3: there on the Mason Dixon.
1: Okay. So yeah. let me ask you this cuz you know we love talking food here at Supply Chain <laughs> I mean, Kevin love talking all the time. Sometimes we get to business. But what is one food dish growing up there in Westminster that's inseparable from your your upbringing?
3: My macaroni and cheese. My mom's macaroni <laughs> and cheese. <laughs>
1: wonderful and you know folks uh y'all our listeners didn't have the uh great opportunity to be a part of our pre-show conversation but as we learned from karen that mac and cheese she just spoke of she is she's legendary in her family now for uh uh, uh, cooking that and many other dishes uh uh, at holidays and cookouts you name it so karen thank you for sharing i appreciate that
2: i'm sure she probably Um, still has uh but maybe not i'm sure she like Put together a huge pot for Thanksgiving. It's probably, it probably was all gone before Don't the like uh, before midnight. <laughs> 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 all right,
1: no fair. You can't make us hungry now. It's not. It's not fair. It's still around <laughs> midday here in the Metro Atlanta area. Um, all right, so Bruce, that's going to be tough to top. But what about you? Where'd you grow up?
0: So I was born in Baltimore. I went to grade school in Baltimore, high school in Baltimore, college in Baltimore. Raised my kids in Baltimore. And as John Mellencamp would say, they'll probably bury me in Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) And and there's only one thing worse than somebody born in Baltimore is somebody that likes being from Baltimore because they praise it. And I got to tell you, it's a wonderful city. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful.
1: Well, so let me ask you then. Um, you know, Kevin and I mm-hmm. are both big sports fans. We're talking about sports pre-show too, sports and food. Oh, by the um, way, and of course, who Ball- beat
2: the Falcons yeah. this weekend? Who beat the <laughs> Falcons this weekend? I'm just uh, saying, Kevin. That's
1: a long list. That's just a long list of who beat the Falcons <laughs> this season. So you know, commanders! that's not fair. <laughs> yes, Kevin's Washington Commanders did uh, did beat uh, the Atlanta Falcons, but. Let's talk. What, what is your favorite um, sports team uh, growing up, Bruce? What was one team or, or a sport? You so
0: it, That's a great question. And I really don't want to show my age, <laughs> all right? But I am a Ravens fan through and through, but I used to root for two teams. I would root for the Ravens or anybody that was playing the Indianapolis Colts
2: <laughs> because the Indianapolis
0: Colts should be the Baltimore Colts. But other than that, uh, I'm a Ravens fan through and through.
2: Yeah, when That's they so snuck true, out of, of the course. city in buses at midnight, the Colts. The yeah, Golden everybody area. remembers that. I, yeah.
0: That, yeah. Hey, I remember the, the uh, Mayflower, Mayflower van lines poured up in the middle of the night when they promised the mayor they were going to keep us here. So I, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, we're I, I got to a to bad feeling towards those guys.
1: <laughs> Bruce. And Kevin and Karen, we're going to have to dedicate a whole series to that story, because that's really a fascinating uh, saga back in the day. Um, Well, hey, Karen and Bruce, I'm so pleased to have you here. Um, Kevin, Mm -hmm. um, quick comment from you. Uh, You know, Westminster and Baltimore proper. Uh, You know, Kevin, you're in a greater neck of the woods. Any comments on Karen and Bruce's upbringing?
2: Well, you know, both my parents were born and raised in Baltimore, so my extended family is all around there. Now, just uh, just a little inside uh, bit of knowledge, Karen is actually my cousin. <laughs> really? Again? <laughs> so so that's, that's a prime example.
0: It's, it's not Baltimore, it's Smaltimore. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small town. It's a small, big town. Everybody everybody else. You know, really, it's great.
1: I, I'm a still perfect that. example.
3: I'm ten well, minutes away from Kevin's dad.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, blessed be the ties that bind. Uh, number one, but number two, Kevin, you've done this to me twice now. Uh, we had a guest, um, a, a, a a veteran Bruce, aviator, yeah. right, with the Marines. And Kevin was messing around and, and uh, was calling her uh, cousin. And I thought that he was just like messing around. And he, and during the show, he's like, really, Scott? I told you she's my cousin. She's my cousin. <laughs> and we had a nice little moment there. But uh, anyway, well, uh, again, great to have you all. Let's, let's kind of shift gears here. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about you, what you and your organizations are doing. And Karen, I want to start with you. Tell us about Technogen and what the company does and, and your role.
3: Okay. Uh, Technogen Cyber, we provide cybersecurity services. Um, we also have a LMS. Uh, part of that, part of the company is Technogen Academy, where we do cyber training. And um, we're going to be actually working with Baltimore Cyber Range um, next year on a project providing um, training, incumbent training. Uh, the other part of Technogen is staffing, we do staff AUG. Um, And not just for IT, um, but right now we're actually even helping out a a college um, located in Laurel, one of the cyber schools. That's our partner. And we're going to be doing some um, recruiting for them as well. Uh,
1: Technogen is just off the chart, Karen.
3: Yeah. (laughs) For for
1: all things technical talent, right?
3: How about that? Um, We're a wholly owned subsidiary of Technogen Inc. Technogen Cybers. um, Incepted in 2009. Uh we are also um, building out a uh, zero trust model. We're excited. Um, we're working with uh, one of our board members, Dr. Ron Martin, um, who's also affiliated with the university. So we're partnered with them um, and going to be doing some uh, lab work as well and the cyber facility there. Um, Technogen also is, um, wow, what, what word do I want to use? Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say we're we're going to be in the EDU space um, soon. And we'll be making an announcement um, on the website about that as well. Man. But excited.
1: It, it I love how you're touching all, sounds like so many different aspects of, of the technology ecosystem. Uh, Kevin, your quick uh, comment on Technogen and what Karen's sharing.
2: Well, actually Technogen uh, and Baltimore Cyber are, are really important in the the cyber security ecosystem of for the state of Maryland, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of that. But that's why they, you know, they seem to be sort of doing everything in the middle of everything is because they're so important to the ecosystem.
1: It's like the the, the, the mayors, the mayors mm. of the uh, of cyber security <laughs> nation. I don't know. Um, all right, so Bruce. Um, Let's talk about Baltimore Cyber beyond some of the cool things that Kevin shared on the front end. Tell us about what the organization does and what you do.
0: So uh, Baltimore Cyber, we were, we started, we're a bunch of uh, electrical engineers and computer scientists from Johns Hopkins and University of Maryland, both Baltimore educational facilities. And um, we actually accompanied uh, Governor Hogan on his trade mission to Israel back in 2016. And it was an economic development mission. and. Uh, The Israelis see a lot of cyber threats in that part of the world. They've got, you know, the the hostilities there in the Middle East between Iran and Syria and and Jordan and that general vicinity. So what they do is they actually store the threats they receive, they catalog them, they library them, and they create what they call an attack generator. They then take that data and they run it against a simulated network. And they use it as an instructional tool to teach their cyber warriors how to deal with the threats that are uh, current zero, uh, current threats. So the governor had this idea that, you know, that's great for cyber warriors, but I'm sure we're doing good stuff in the United States. But why don't we take this device, this system, and put it in Baltimore, and let's do workforce development. There's over uh, 25,000 unfilled positions in Maryland that if people were trained properly, they could be walk into positions currently. And then that, that's an order of magnitude higher if they have government clearances, because the majority of lines for the cybersecurity stuff that's hot right now requires government clearances. So uh, we put the range in Baltimore and we trained, in the last five years, we trained about a thousand people that were not cybersecurity types. And we got about 950 of those full-time positions in cyber. And uh, the reason we were able to do that was it was a unique training session, but we also formed a consortium of cyber companies that had the requirements and uh, they gave us the materials that we needed to, to do the training. They taught us the threats that we were going to use to put them on the range. And that's how we applied it to, do, to workforce development.
1: Man, I love that. It- even in this uh, highly technological and ever evolving innovative world, man, workforce is where it's at. So I love that story and that element. Uh, Kevin, your quick comment on uh, what Bruce just shared.
2: There's just a huge shortage of cybersecurity professionals um, globally, uh, not just in Maryland, but in the national United States and, and globally. So um, Baltimore Cyber uh, is, is really uh, filling a critical niche for our entire society as we transition to the internet of things. I mean, our society is built on the internet and security of our devices, of our network, our computers, our smartphones. Uh, this, this, is, this is our life, right? So uh, uh, thank you. Um, thank you for everything you're doing, Bruce.
1: Definitely. I appreciate that, Bruce and Karen. And now that we've kind of level set, we've kind of level set with um, who our guests are, one of my favorite parts, and then what they're doing professionally mm-hmm. and the impact they're making. Uh, and we're going about to get some of their expertise on, again, uh, the top five priorities that manufacturing leaders really need to prepare for when it comes to cybersecurity for 2023. But before we get there, Kevin, mm-hmm. uh I I think you and the research department have been diving into (laughs) some important market facts. Tell us more, especially when it comes to, you know, Maryland and manufacturing and cyber.
2: You know, when you say manufacturing, many people probably don't think Maryland, right? It's a small state, you know, it's over overshadowed by its uh, proximity to the the nation's capital. But uh, manufacturers in Maryland account for over, for almost 6% of the total output of the state in employees, about over 4% of the workforce. So you can see uh, manufacturing is important. In 2019, there was almost $25 billion in manufacturing output uh, from the state. Uh, The state averages about 110,000 manufacturing employees. And they each make oh, uh, $91,000 each. So uh, I'll take that job. Uh, <laughs> in, you know, in, in Maryland's economy, um, there's like $10.3 billion in manufactured goods that are actually exported in, in 2020. Um, and 3 billion of that goes to uh, free trade agreement partners. These are countries that have partnered with the United States. um, And it helps create like 13%, 13% of the state's employment is from exports. uh, And small businesses comprise 88% of all exporters in Maryland. So this is not about big business, it's about small business. And and those partners, um, and I'm talking about countries like Australia, Bahrain, Canada, Chile, Guatemala, Morocco, Singapore, South Korea, they, they did almost $660 billion in manufactured goods alone. And, and and I know that we're gonna be talking a lot about cybersecurity, but from a cybersecurity point of view, Maryland ranked number one in the Cyber States Diversity Index, number two in cybersecurity technology and innovation. It ranks number one in federal obligations. And I'm talking about money for cybersecurity right. research and development and it's ranked as a top 10 global cybersecurity hub. And don't forget, the National Security Agency, one of those three letter agencies, the NSA, (laughs) is located in Fort Meade, Maryland, just south of Baltimore and just north of the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. So if you wanna be the hub of cybersecurity, Maryland is where it's at.
1: Man, (laughs) I love that. I I feel like, I feel like I've just earned a certification in all things Maryland in the last uh, three or four minutes. Thank you, Kevin. But Interesting Karen,
3: facts, Kevin.
1: Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, the Mecca in so many different ways of, of cyber and technology and, and with a big old helping of manufacturing. Karen, uh, from what Kevin just shared there, what thought comes to mind?
3: Well, like I just said, it was a great uh, facts that he had brought forth. And the numbers are mind boggling. Um, but, yes, we are definitely the cyber hub um, here, which is why we're going to be um, instrumental in helping to train up um, a lot of the state employees in cyber and the incumbents.
1: Uh, so well said. And, you know, it's, it's only going to get the cyber threat, as you all know, speaking to the ex- experts here, all three of y'all, is only gonna get more complex and more uh, um, a lot more attacks. I mean, every business, regardless if you're in supply chain or, or else, uh, is going to be a uh, big a uh, concern, big priority to tackle. Um, Bruce, what about you? Uh, w- Kevin just shared a ton of, of market data, your thought. Yeah,
0: so I, I think uh, Kevin's obviously got the numbers and he understands the uh, what we call the cybersecurity ecosystem in Maryland. Um, one of the things that uh, strikes me and uh, some of my colleagues uh, as not obvious is that when you look at these um, opportunities and these people that are working not only in uh, supply side but in IT in, in Maryland, there's over eight hundred thousand IT employees. Um, people lose sight of the fact that if you have that cybersecurity is an esoteric subset of IT. You need to be an expert in IT before you can really attack a cyber issue. It's like being a doctor; you have to be a doctor before you can be a cardiologist. So it's a specialty within. And that's one of the reasons that uh, there is so much need for cybersecurity training. You need to understand, you know, there's so many different IT systems out there and there's so many, there's so much doing in new technologies and new ways of approaching. I mean, look, you take a, uh, uh, an IT system, you take something like a microprocessor, which I'm sure most of your people know, it's basically the building block of a, of a network or of an IT device. That offers tremendous automation and tremendous uh, uh, progress. However, there's a dark side. That, I, that microprocessor can be compromised. It can be bad guys can get a hold of it and take over your system. That is the issue with cybersecurity. There are more and more microprocessors going into these things. You know, your, things that were never microprocessor-based, uh, your home heating, your thermostat, your car, your TV, I mean things that you need that you need to live with you know some of your med- some of your medical delivery systems are all microprocessor based right. these things are all uh, very very um, uh, uh, susceptible to bad guys hacking in and if there's a money profit it's you know they said it's you know why do you rob banks cuz it's where the money is yeah. if you can find that, a way to if you can find a way to get into these systems you find a way to make money I
2: think the word you evidently that's what they say is vulnerability <laughs> the, the vulnerability of mm. all these systems. Vulnerable.
0: What, that's, that's, that's what right. doesn't and they're have, and, and they're looking. Yeah. At,
2: what doesn't have a microprocessor in it?
1: Right. Well, as Bruce was sharing that, Kevin, uh, the first thought, one of the first thoughts come to my mind is, is that dual side, you know, that that uh, uh, both sides of the sword when it comes to you know innovative and highly powerful, yeah. and more ever more powerful technology. Any bad, you know, any any great tools in bad actors' hands can unfortunately do a lot of damage. So that all the more reason to get into some of these priorities we're going to be talking about when it comes to cyber. But hey, uh, Kevin and Bruce and Karen, before we get into kind of the, the center plate part of our conversation, I want to share, I think as, as uh, four of us spoke about pre-show, you know, Gartner Research has once again reported that CIOs plan to make cybersecurity their top investment priority in 2023, beating out spending on things like business intelligence and analytics and even, sorry, sorry, Kevin, (laughs) even cloud computing platforms, right? To my heart. But um, uh, as Bruce and Kevin and Karen spoke to pre-show, you know, that's what they're saying. We'll see if the time and the money comes with it. But Leslie Salmon I had a great quote uh, in the Wall Street Journal not too long ago. She's a global chief information officer for Kellogg, right? Mm-hmm. She was quoted as saying, "If I get a but uh, if I get a, bud- a budget challenge, it doesn't come out of cyber." <laughs> so we'll see uh, in in the new year. Okay, so with that backdrop, um, let's dive into some of the cybersecurity priorities. The top five, we'll call it. Uh, cybersecurity priorities for manufacturing leaders as we head into 2023. So, Karen, let's start with you. What are two priorities that manufacturing leaders really should be considering?
3: Uh, I believe number one, um, first one should be the manufacturing systems. They need to take a look and have a holistic approach to cybersecurity. Right. They're not doing that now across the board. And number two I believe they need to establish and enforce policies and procedures. Um, you know, we got standards, you have compliance, you have regulatory, um, you know, items. So I think once that stuff's done, and it's done across the board through academia, government, um, they should consider this, should yep. be considering if they're not.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm really, so, number one, I'm really happy that Go you ahead, start off with those two items because because all too often, cybersecurity has been a bolt on, right? It's something you do after you finish everything else. Um, And you can't take a holistic approach unless you think about how cybersecurity is linked to everything else. And then these organizations must put in policies and procedures, but more important than putting in the procedures, they have to enforce those procedures. I mean, too much lip service into what we should do.
1: Yeah, we can't. No, nope, we, we enough lip service leadership, right? It's all about deeds, not yeah, words.
3: Good, good point, Kevin. A, a lot of um, they're even doing that <clears throat> with um, some of the smaller um, subsets in the government, where you know they're saying that they're going to have their budgets set aside um, to improve the security measures and. Do different things for risk assessments and risk management, but it seems like it's not getting done. Mm. Um, the hackers are still getting through.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so Bruce, uh, with those first two priorities that Karen mentioned, you know, more holistic approach and, and establishing and enforcing. Um, your thoughts, Bruce?
0: So yeah, let me let me take them sequentially. Let's talk about holistic. It, let's let's explain what holistic really means in the cyber world. Um. From 100,000 feet, it's a lot better to design cybersecurity systems in from the start than to retrofit. So if you're going to put a system in a new network, you should be thinking about how you're going to address cybersecurity. How are you going to mitigate? How are you going to detect? How are you going to remediate? How are you going to do the things that cyber people need to do to that system? And that starts with making sure your software guys are uh, aware of the issues, making sure your hardware guys are, making sure your operators are aware, making sure you have plans and systems in place. And it takes a, um, uh, a, a unique understanding of your security profile, what you have and what you need. And that takes time and you need to have your systems assess as to what your vulnerabilities are. And that's what I think we mean by being holistic. And and I couldn't agree more with Karen. I I think that's probably if I were in the supply side right now, that's the thing I would be most worried about. Uh, But if in 2023, you're going to start to see something else. And this talks to the second topic. You're going to see the U.S. government get a lot more involved in the regulatory side of cyber. Because the government's starting to realize some of the issues. I mean, look at Colonial Pipeline. You know, you had gas lines because uh, you had a you had a breach in cyber that was completely preventable, completely preventable. And we'll talk about that in a little, little while. But if you look at what the government's going to do, um, I, I know uh, Baltimore cyber currently. We actually. Um, uh, provide the proficiency testing for government assessors to assure that the clouds are safe for government data. So if you're an assessor and you're going to determine whether Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure or any of the major cloud systems can hold government data, they have to be assessed by the government to meet certain minimum requirements. These requirements are dictated by NIST, the National Institute of Standards. So um, that requirement um, is just for clouds. Now, that's a relatively small set, subset of the IT world. Now, there's this new board that's come out that if I were in the supply side, I would want to know about this. It's called CMMC. It's a Cybersecurity Maturation Model Certification. What CMMC is going to do is by 2025, if you are a U.S. government DOD contractor making anything, be it you know guns, butter, or IT systems, You're going to have to be deemed that you know what you're doing in cyber or you will not be able to get a government contract. Now, if you are an executive in the supply side or supply chain, I think it behooves you to understand what that is. And it's going to cost you money and you're going to have to spend some time under getting your staff trained. But it's something that's going to be necessary for you to do business. And if you don't pay attention to that, it's going to be very, very expensive down the road because you're going to be frozen out of opportunities that you won't be able to bid because you're not going to be qualified to go after that work. So that's where I think is a, it's a very major thing if I were a on the supply side. I would look at that as closely as possible.
1: Bruce, that's a great call out. That CMM, CMMC is something. Yeah, um, Allison Giddens, one of our hosts here at Supply Channel, has spoken a lot about and has been involved in kind of the community that's proliferating that. Um, you know, because to your point, if you're making parts for um, uh, F-22s for the Air Force, right? Mm-hmm. We got to secure those supply chains, right?
0: Would you want the bad? Would you want somebody like like a, a rogue nation to get a hold of our nuclear weapons? I mean, of course you don't. I mean, right? And and that you have to have some minimum level of standard. Right now, it's the Wild West. Mm. Right. I mean, there really aren't many standards that are being enforced. I my my hat's off to the U.S. government. It's about time we did something like this, and I think the the world needs to do more of this internationally, because there's a lot of bad things that can happen with cyber, and we've only we've only hit the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, absolutely, the tip.
2: And this isn't like so, Kevin. Let's get your way in
0: here
1: before we we continue.
2: Yeah, this isn't philosophical, right? Um, they built the F twenty two and found out after they were building that there were actually Chinese components in it. And I'm sure you've heard about Huawei and the fact that many uh, of our rural telecommunications infrastructure uh, use Huawei equipment. And one of the biggest, uh, I guess, concerns is that the equipment has cybersecurity backdoors in it, which has led the US federal government to actually fund a, a rip-out and replace of all Huawei gear uh, in the United States. And this is because of cybersecurity concerns.
0: And, and that's that's a sophisticated threat. And and I think that's a good example of what, you know, regulatory bodies could do to help by making sure these backdoors don't exist. But it's even more basic than that. And I keep going back to Colonial Pipeline because this is not classified and it's open and there's data. you know. Uh, the bad guys shut down Colonial Pipeline for months, and the reason it was determined that the systems were shut down was because a live set of credentials were available on the dark web. Now, that is beyond belief that an organization like Colonial Pipeline could be shut down because somebody bought a, uh, a, a username and a password and was able to get into the system and introduce ransomware. That, that that and that's that. That's the kind of thing that regulatory regulatory operations like CMMC and things along those lines could stop because CMMC says, "Look, you need to make sure that these credentials are controlled. You, they have con- conditions that are actually documented in doc in uh, paperwork that you assign and agree to do." That's kind of the direction we're going in. And if I were an executive in the supply side, I would would want to be looking at that very closely.
1: All right. So let me, let, let me jump in here. So a lot of great discussion and I love the passion and the expertise between all three of y'all. Uh, so Karen laid out the first two priorities, right? The first one being all new manufacturing systems need to take that holistic approach to cyber and the number two need to establish and enforce policies and procedures. Bruce, I wanna keep driving with your two priorities as we, as we continue to build out this top five list. So yeah, I think, um I think, that there, and this almost
0: sounds trivial to state, but you need to be aware of the threats that exist in your industry. Um, every organization has a security profile. It's very unlikely that if you're making popcorn, that the Russians are going to be interested in what you're doing, so you don't, and so you probably don't need to get to the level of a um, uh, you know of a security profile that you would have if you were handling top secret or classified data, but by the same token, it's possible that there's a uh, you know somebody around the corner that knows you guys are making money, and maybe if I if we didn't let you get to your records, maybe you'll be giving me some of that money. So you want to make sure you understand how those threats operate. It's interesting, an interesting comment for, for our viewers. You know, there's about 8,500 known cyber threats. Uh, they live in a, da- a database. It's called the Metasploit Database. And, and we know what they are. And somewhere close to 95% of all instances of cyber are repeat offenses. They're not what we call zero-day. Zero-day is stuff that's new, which never happened before. Zero-day stuff tends to be from nation states. So it's unlike a small guy is going to be hit by a zero zero. um a zero-day threat, but it's very likely that it'll be hit with something that's known. So, if you know the threats that are out there and you build the defenses to deal with it, and you have a plan to remediate and detect that, you're li- you're not going to be. A, you most likely will not be a victim. So, those are the things I would say. I, I I think that the the executives and the people that are running these supply side organizations should really look at what their threats are, what their security profile is. And what's a good tack to address that, mm, that threat? Yeah. So um, I think the other thing we talked about was an actual plan to detect, mitigate, and remediate. Uh, I, I throw those words out very quickly because cyber people, that's what we do. We detect, we mitigate, and remediate threats. At the end of the day, that we're all part of that function. And you as a a business entity or a manufacturing entity or a supply side entity need to have some way of doing that. And it's not that difficult. Uh, There are professionals out there that can help you. There's risk assessors. uh, They can do gap analysis. Uh, You should look at that and you should come up with some way to do that. It's quite possible, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's coming, Mm -hmm. that over the next few years you're going to be required to do that to be in business. So uh, if you can get a jump start on that, you'll be helping get yourself ready for the future and you'll make
1: yourself safer. All right, so Bruce, uh, you shared really in our top five list items, number three and four. Number three, manufacturers need to understand their cybersecurity profile, current standards and regulatory requirements. And number four, folks, got to be aware of the threats that not only exist in your industry but you also have to have a plan to detect mitigate and remediate all cyber threats right, right. so before we get to number five kevin mm-hmm. i want to get uh karen and you a chance to weigh in so karen that's that is it man i've got a, by my count we've got seven full plates of things we've got to <laughs> do already karen weigh in <laughs>
3: How about that? Yeah. Uh, good, good points, um, Bruce. And I think too, um, a lot of the manufacturers that are out there, um, you know, we were talking about policy and compliance and, um, you know, we have NIST um, that's there. We have got C- CISA, um, Cloud Security Alliance. Um, and it, Bruce had mentioned about CMM, uh, CMMC, I think 2.0 is coming out um, next year. At any rate- um, April. Overall, yeah, I think if, if the businesses um, understand their profile, understand their infrastructure and protect it, um, you know, can you imagine if everyone had a sock? Hmm. okay? Or we all, uh, you know, implemented um, zero trust software, um, you know, not allowing anybody in. Bruce was talking about the um, pipeline, the Columbia uh, pipeline. And, you know, had they had some other type of, you um, Identity credentials, uh, multi-factor, maybe three or four um, ways to log in, um, even if the credentials were found on the dark web, uh, you know, possibly they wouldn't have been hacked um, because the person wouldn't have been able to get in if they didn't have a fingerprint or an iris scan or something like that. So, yeah.
1: Okay, thank Great you. Point. Yeah, definitely good stuff there, uh, Karen. I'm gonna have to go to the thesaurus and look up all these acronyms after today's show because oh, we're bringing I'm
3: sure it. I do that. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. It's good. Uh, you know, being a veteran and being in supply chain. Hey, we love our acronyms, so I, re- I really appreciate it. It's just, just having a little fun. Um, okay, so Kevin, <laughs> yeah. before you get to number five, weigh in on what Bruce really was sharing with uh, numbers three and four there.
2: Well, one thing Bruce talked about was a cyber security profile. Um, and it, I mean, that's very important and it's very critical, but we also have to remember that a lot of this is new. Um, think about social media. How does your organization view social media? Is it a cybersecurity threat? Well, when you think about the fact that TikTok is owned by Chinese and that there are uh, fears that TikTok is collecting personal information that's being sent to Beijing uh, could that be a problem for your company? So it's not a it's not a narrow or esoteric thing, right? Everyone is using social media. How does that fit into your cybersecurity? plans what is the threat to your organization uh, how do you remediate the cyber security threat from social media
1: yeah great point there and, and uh just a little play a little play on what bruce said earlier uh he talked about if you ask bank robbers why draw rob the bank that's where the money is <laughs> well you can ask hackers why just take that personal data because that's where the money is to your point kevin yeah they play because there because because
0: you so can't can. yeah
1: I'll get. I'll. You'll get some some bonuses on that IP usage there, Bruce. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna get miles and miles out of that. Okay, so Kevin, mm-hmm. we're building a very healthy top five list of of cybersecurity priorities that manufacturing leaders in particular need to take in consideration for 2023. Bring you're the home run hitter, so bring in number five here.
2: Well, and you know, we've been focusing on what the company needs to do for itself, how to protect itself. Uh, what its own regulations, its own policies. Uh, but these organizations are doing business and they don't do business alone. They have partners that they work with. They also are selling products and services to customers uh, and maybe other companies. So from a cyber security point of view, you're operating in an ecosystem also that parallels your business ecosystem. So I think number five is protect your cyber security ecosystem. Know the, the policies and plans of your partners, because that is a gateway to your network.
1: Well said, Kevin. I love that, protecting that digital ecosystem. Uh, Karen, your thoughts on on, uh, uh, the fifth priority
3: there. Very important, very important, Kevin. Um, You know, as we were talking about the ecosystem, um, and you do have to know it, you have to understand it, Mm -hmm. or otherwise you're not going to be able to protect your data, right? So I think um, businesses and industry um, as well um, need to really hone in on that.
1: Yeah, great point. We need a we need a, a digital version of Captain Planet for the dig- digital ecosystem, yeah. <laughs> perhaps. I don't know, um, <laughs> Bruce. Your thoughts on on yeah? Uh, I, I mean, five? I could not agree more, and and I think it, it
0: was very astute of Kevin to point that out. And, and I think a, a natural derivative of that is that you have phenomenal teamwork between primes and subs and sub subs. And you certainly, as a subcontractor, don't want to bring your prime down because you screwed up on a cyber basis. So I think you're going to find that there's going to be a lot of not only having to have that, but you're going to, it's going to be required by your customer. If you're a subcontractor and you've got to meet a certain standard to, to meet sub- cyber requirements, he's not going to do business with you unless he knows you're not going to cause him problems. So I think it all works in the same vein.
1: Well said, Bruce. Uh, Appreciate that. Uh, And Bruce and Karen, don't go anywhere. We're going to find out. We're going to make sure our listeners know how to connect with you both here uh, as we start to wrap up today's episode. Now, Kevin, before we do that, uh, of course, today's episode is presented in partnership with our friends at Microsoft, who's been up to some really cool things in the industry here lately, right?
2: Right, right. Absolutely. And when you're talking about manufacturing um, and technology, there's there's actually two sides of the house. You have information technology, or IT, and operational technology, or OT. And historically, they've never talked to one another. <laughs> they've, they've stayed on both sides of the house with a big wall between them. Um, and that's great if you want to get hacked, if you want to get attacked, if you're not interested in protecting your cybersecurity. And that's why Microsoft is really focused on strengthening IT and OT security for manufacturers in order to prevent plant downtime. Uh, They now offer agentless IT and OT security monitoring with Azure Defender. Um, This is really tightly integrated with the Azure Sentinel, which is the cloud-based security solution that provides SIM or Security Information and Event Management, and SOAR, the Security Orchestration and Automated uh, Response Services uh, in the Azure Public Cloud. That combination really provides a single solution for alert detection, threat visibility, and proactive hunting and threat response. Uh, And based on the anomaly detection uh, technology that was acquired via CyberX, the solution has been deployed in some of the world's largest and most diverse industrial environments, including Global 2000 firms in manufacturing, chemicals, and pharmaceutical. It, It secures Greenfield as well as Brownfield And proprietary IT and OT devices, including those that may run older versions of Windows uh, that can't be easily upgraded. It can also be deployed either on premise or in the cloud. So Microsoft is really doing a lot in this area.
1: Agreed. And of course, recently they launched, uh, they announced the launch of Microsoft Supply Chain Center, which is piloted by some of the most well-recognized companies, including uh, Kraft Heinz North America, which has been using it uh, to increase organizational agility, amongst other things. So uh, good stuff there. Thank you for sharing. Uh, And big thanks to our friends at Microsoft. Um, Okay, so... Karen and Bruce, I, I, I have learned a ton from both of y'all and I've really enjoyed, I wish we could publish the pre-show as a podcast. (laughs) And then of course this whole episode, but we'll save that for later. Um, Karen, how can folks, you know, connect with you and the team at Technogen?
3: Well, we have a LinkedIn page. They can reach me on LinkedIn, um, just by searching my name. And we also have a, uh, company page as well on LinkedIn. Um, And the URL, we have a website, of course, um, the Academy is um, there too. There's a link to that site and it's www.technogencyber.com, the website.
1: It's just that easy. And of course, we'll include those links in the episode page. So our listeners will be just one click away. Uh, Karen Braxton, really have enjoyed your perspective here today. Uh, Bruce, how can folks connect with you in the Baltimore cyber range? So, uh,
0: and we also uh, are heavily on LinkedIn. Uh, you can certainly look up me, Bruce Spector, or the Baltimore Cyber Range at the page. Uh, and we have a, a fairly extensive website. It's www.baltimorecyberrange.com. And um, most of our programs are available uh, to uh, at no cost. Uh, we do it as a public service. So we're a uh, state contractor. So we would love to have uh, your feedback. We'd love to get you involved and we could get you more information on what we do if you're interested.
1: Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you, Bruce. And big congrats to both you and Karen and your respective organizations for the growth and, and all the success you're having and the difference you're making uh, in, in light as we as we continue going down the road of this, this exciting digital era, warts and all, mm. uh, preparing industry for that. Um, okay, so before we wrap here, Kevin, mm-hmm. speaking of uh, growth and success, love what you've been doing amongst other things, but especially with digital transformers. So, Kevin, how can folks you know lean into that and 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 uh, connect with you?
2: Well, actually, what you can do is listen to our most recent show that was just dropped uh, yesterday. Uh, and its title is State Government and Cybersecurity. Ha ha, like we planned it. Uh, I actually had the opportunity <laughs> to interview uh, Mr. Catrice Mosley-Romero, and she's the director of the Indiana Security Council. So they're really attacking all of the cybersecurity concerns for the state of Indiana. I tell you, Indiana and Maryland need to, need to get together. So that's uh, How about you can download that on uh, from your favorite podcast uh, uh, channel, or you can go to Supply Chain Now in cybersecurity, and you can always check me out on LinkedIn.
1: That's right. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, three power heavy hitters here. Great discussion here as we're talking about the five top priorities, uh, especially when it comes to cybersecurity that manufacturing leaders gotta. Got to take in consideration as we move into 2023. So big thanks to Karen Braxton, Vice President with Technogen Cybersecurity. Karen, thanks so much for carving out the time.
3: And I want to thank you, Scott and Kevin, and thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring the show.
1: That's right. Uh, Bruce Spector, Chairman of the Board with the Baltimore Cyber Range. Uh, Bruce, really enjoyed your perspective as well. Thank you for having me and keep up the good work. You guys do a great job. Thank you so much, Bruce. And we'll be thinking, hey, hey, small to more. I'm going to steal that from you <laughs> and Karen as well. Really enjoyed that. I, I,
0: that's not copyrighted, so feel free to use any way you like. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Kevin L. Jackson, the one and only host of Digital Transformers Thank and you, so sir. much more. Kevin, always a pleasure Thank you. to knock out these conversations
2: with you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Guy.
1: All right, so big thanks to our guests. Uh, hey, but listeners, it's all about deeds, not words. You got to take action with these, these expert insights and perspective uh, as we get ready for the new year. But hey, regardless, hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Uh, as we sign off here, Scott Luton challenging you, hey, do good. give forward and be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Now. Thanks everybody.
0: Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community.